Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Recalibrating the Scales. I'm your host and Chief Executive Resolutionist, Normie Avaska Scales, at your disposal. Guardians and and conspicuous angels, avant-garde vernacular regurgitating adages, vintage ice clutching, encompassing, encircling his fingers wet to hands, limbs versed in the art of sculpting, chiseling, tinting intricate manes, precious gems taunting lion-hearted lobes, inciting envy, envy versus injury, to the signature Louis Vuitton handbag garnishing his wrist. Uncensored, unparalleled, unrefined verbiage, evading thought escaping his lips, spurring a congenial gaze from the awestruck quartet, delinquently coined in time as Cardin's angels. Mortal angels comprised of snug, close-knit variety embodying a repertoire of earthy, zealous, motherly personas to stately, mahogany, holly-go-lightly archetypes, yet all accomplished, virtuosos in rendering sustenance via an infusion of humor and lion-hearted fare. The recipe, blueprint, formula for fortifying the waning aura of the effervescent entity, entity, none other than Ron Darling Carden, replenishing his lungs, casting wind in his faltering sails, evoking a beckoned recalibration to claim to steadfast collaboration and camaraderie, marking a perpetually gleeful expedition. That was my latest, my latest creation, dedicated to one of my beloved friends, dear friends, Ron Darling Carden. And yes, we are. Your guardians, my dear Ron, Ron Darling, Ron Darling, Darling Carden, that is. I'm so blessed with your friendship. We all are. I thought that that poem was very befitting to the episode, aligned with the concept of blessings in disguise, as I believe, um, if you understand the meaning of that poem and the story behind it, um, it essentially is quite relevant. So welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another invigorating episode. I'd like to get in edgewise that we've been off we've off been off to a sensational year thus far. In fact, I found myself personally reflecting upon recent occurrences, particularly the aforementioned blessings in disguise, in which I'm inclined to address to you all today, my dear listeners. So why might you ask? Am I compelled to speak about it? Because all too often, mankind perceives disappointments, upsets, and 
mishaps as setbacks. However, I'd like to profess that often, yet not always, when mishaps occur, you've either figuratively dodged a bullet, in the words of a very dear friend of mine, or, or been unconventionally bestowed a blessing. Ladies and gentlemen, I implore you to reflect upon every occurrence you've experienced, be it a faulty tire or automotive mechanical issue which landed you roadside. Just recently, yes, I, I, I recount, recount that very, very same issue. In brief, a bolt that I discovered in my right front tire. And yes, I was irate. I was livid because I incurred that performing a good deed for another entity. Yet in hindsight, my son Maximo and I were undoubtedly spared. We were spared of an abominable accident, which could have potentially resulted in casualties and, fat- and, and pardon me, and fatalities. Hence, the exorbitant financial expense that I essentially incurred, it spared our lives and the lives of others. Furthermore, I recall the tears I had shed after being denied what I thought was my dream home, the dream home that I salivated upon just over a year ago due to a trivial technicality. I was basically denied due to that technicality, and indeed, it was quite trivial. However, I retire and arise each morning and each night to the spacious habitat that we, Maximo and I, ultimately reside in on acreage, in a pristine and tranquil community, strategically located second to none. In comparison, I've been spared. So let's move on, and I'd like to share some of the fortunate finds, some articles that I had the pleasure of stumbling upon. Synchronicity has definitely been at work, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm going to reserve that topic Uh, for a later episode. Here's excerpts of a read titled The Blessings in Disguise We Don't Realize We've Received. And this is by the author Sarah Davies. It reads, in brief, the unthankful heart discovers no mercies, but the thankful heart will find in every hour some heavenly blessings. And that's Henry Ward Beecher. According to the article, and, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, the article deemed herself to be calm, a calm person by nature. But contrary to everyone else, there are a few things that get her that uh, that causes that cause her blood to boil, for lack of a better phrase. At the very least, simmering. This is one of them. Used to be inconveniences. So our daily lives are filled with the delays, missed opportunities, setbacks, and outright nuisances. It happens to everyone. Missing a bus and being tardy for work, being locked out of the house for four hours when you've had an urgent exam to prepare for with all of your notes on the other side of the door. (laughs) Having your new shiny Blackberry or Android, I should say, to slip out of your pocket on the bus and only realizing half an hour after stepping off. So these were things that specifically and personally um, have happened to her. This is what she personally incurred and encountered. And there are droves of other examples where these came from. So they may not appear to be the end of the world because, of course, they're not. 
at the same at the same time, they always feel like a big deal, and they always happen at the worst, most unopportune, inopportune times. Right on cue, she grants. A few years ago, while in her second year at the university in her home city, London, she experienced a small inconvenience that made her change her outlook altogether. I can identify with that. That academic year, she'd taken up language class, but rather than being at her usual campus in London Bridge, it was at the Strand. So she would take the underground to her evening Arabic class at the Strand campus every Thursday. She took the same route from London Bridge every week without fail, and on her journey home, she would venture via the renowned Victoria train station every week at precisely the same time. On one particular occasion, she was, for a reason she can't remember now, in a very foul mood, probably another inconvenience. She missed her day of lectures due to, due to an underestimated morning errand run and was now also running late for her evening class. So, inconveniently, she'd missed three consecutive buses due to a sea of blue uniform-wearing school kids' children swarming every bus on her route. And of course, to fit the London picture perfectly, she was getting heavily rained upon as she inconveniently left her umbrella at home and didn't have the time or energy to go and fetch it. But she was going to miss her lesson no matter what route she chose. The following day, she read in the paper that in exactly that spot in Victoria Station at precisely the time that she would have been making her way back home from the lesson, there was a tragic murder Had she attended her normal lesson, she would have been caught in a horrendous tragedy. She could have been hurt physically or at the very least witnessed something so horrific, it would have made her traumatized, it would have traumatized her for life. Talk about PTSD. So she was beyond grateful for only being in a foul mood and missing class. A blessing in disguise, albeit, ladies and gentlemen. So there are several similar, similar situations uh, that she'd come to learn of, some of such greater scale than her story. She heard of a woman making her way to work, almost reaching the office, when her heel snapped and she had to return home to change her shoes. She was unsurprisingly frustrated for being late for work. But at her stopover at home, she had dodged being crushed under rubble in the falling twin towers on 9-11. She may have been aggravated earlier, and she was very likely devastated for the lives lost, but she was later grateful that hers wasn't one of them. So she'd heard of another story of a woman who inconveniently, inconveniently had to leave work to pick up her sick child from school. Frustrated, she left work, drove to the school, and brought her child home when she realized the inconvenient, the inconvenience saved her child from the shooting at her Connecticut school. She felt fortunate for the disruption. It's, of course, tragic that anyone has to experience this type of suffering and loss, but it's also tragic that we don't always recognize how fortunate we are. These things happen every single solitary day. We're we're just unbeknownst to it. We'll miss a bus, we're late for work, take ill, miss a life-changing job interview, but we have no idea what hardship or calamity we've just dodged. I'm recalling every job denial that I've had after what I had deemed to be a chart-topping interview. Every, uh, my travel occurrences when 
I had experienced a delay only to discover that there was a hurricane, a hurricane or tornado or snowstorm growing behind me, literally hours behind me, only to land at my destination as I'd done um, that day I'd received the, the announcement or the lead about my current residence. I never forget that. I left New York in tears, literally on a bus en route to JFK, only to, only to um, receive a phone call on the other end at my arrival at the gate, literally, about my potential residence, which ultimately ended up, ended up being my current residence. Indeed, a blessing in disguise because it's such a better deal in so many facets. Not only is it a better property and settled, it's simply second to none in a myriad of facets. So let's open our minds to this new perspective. And this is, this is, these, these are the words of the author. To change how we internalize disappointments and annoyances. So while her story may stem from trivial inconveniences, we can also apply this attitude to more serious problems and adversities in our lives. So here are her two cents. Number one, appreciate that it could have been worse. However bad a circumstance seems and and appears, it could always be worse. It may seem unnatural and perhaps silly to think of hypothetical situations when you have a real deal, holy field problem at hand. But thinking of all the ways the situation could have been made worse makes it so much easier to accept and deal with. Number two is trust that everything happens for a reason. Whether good or bad, there's a reason behind everything. In the words of Marilyn Monroe, quote, People change so that you can learn to let go. Things go wrong so that you can appreciate them when they're right. You believe lies to you, eventually uh, to learn to trust no one but yourself. And sometimes good things fall apart so better things can fall together. Number three, have faith in, in blessings in disguise. It may have saved you from something worse or brought you closer to something else. Yes, an unconventional blessing could be waiting on the other side of that rainbow. Even if neither of these things are true, then at the very least, it made you a stronger person and taught you something, and that's always a valuable thing. Number four, share. Share your experience with the people around you. If you do happen to find out how a particular problem gifted you with a blessing, share it with everyone you know so they they can benefit too. Sharing is caring. The more we openly recognize how fortunate we are, the happier and more content we'll be. Okay. So let's continue on, ladies and gentlemen. Here's um, WAU.org, okay? The Word Among Us, Blessings in Disguise. This is a June 2016 issue. So by Teresa Tomeo. All sunshine makes a dessert. It was an old Arab proverb, according to the the instructor of a Bible study that the author attended shortly after returning to the Catholic school, the Catholic church, more than 20 years ago. I remember being struck by her words as she proceeded to discuss the topic of suffering. I could definitely identify with the Proverbs meaning. We don't really learn to grow if we don't experience some sort of discomfort. And as as I say, in order to acquire, acquire a level of comfort in life, unfortunately, we do have to subject ourselves to some degree even if a nominal, nominal degree of discomfort, that could be a painstaking class, okay, or painstaking course, which would ultimately result in a better undertaking, a better career, better salary, better quality of life, heightened quality of life. 
So when we are in the midst of the pruning, the stretching, and the dying to self, most of us, and the author puts herself atop that list, whine and complain, asking God to relieve us of the very thing that he just might use to perform a miracle in our lives. So those not-so-fun periods are made so much more worthwhile when we look to the saints for examples and for a helping hand. A blessing in disguise, ladies and gentlemen. Back when I heard that proverb, I was dealing with some unsettling circumstances that had rocked her world the year before. It had been a successful local broadcast, or she had been a successful local broadcast journalist, and was reaching a hiatus, a high point in her year, her career, or so she thought, until she was unexpectedly terminated. One night, she was reporting lead story live on the 10 p.m. news, and the next morning, she was walking out of the TV station with a box of belongings in her hand. The station decided that they needed some on-air changes, and she was one of them. As she was leaving the station that day, she thought, now what? My coveted career was suddenly gone. Not only that, her marriage was a mess. Quite frankly, her career success had almost cost her everything. Her whole life was about the career, herself and me, myself, and I, basically, according to, to the author. The long hours, along with the nonstop phone calls and requests to work another weekend or holiday, had taken their toll on her marriage and her emotional and spiritual well-being. But she continued to press on, thinking that things at home, along with the stress level, would dissolve. They would take care of themselves. As it turned out, the firing was a huge blessing in disguise. So when she hit rock bottom, her bottom, she discovered no nowhere she had nowhere to go but on her knees and back into the arms of Christ and a supportive, loving husband who was praying for her. Her husband had been back in the church for about a year, and God was preparing his heart to help her find her way back home. It was a long journey, but eventually she made it out. She made she made it out of the dry, self-absorbed place that she'd been living in for years. So what can she learn from this? So she says, if we're honest with ourselves, we can look back over our lives and realize the important lessons that we learn um, most frequently, or most frequently from disappointments, mistakes, interrupted plans, and even tragedies. Suffering often confronts us with the need to make key choices. So she's tempted to ask, why me? Um, But she tries to say, and I admit this is still not the first thing that comes to mind when something goes wrong. She learned to say, okay, Lord, this stinks. Now show me what I'm supposed to learn from this and how I can use this pain to make a difference. The life of just about everything can offer guidance about how to grow through suffering, take your pick. However, it is Pope John Paul II, especially, especially, who helped her wrap her mind and heart around the connection between love, life, and suffering. He was able to love the Lord and life no matter what type of evil or suffering he witnessed, akin to Jesus Christ. Either personally or in the world around him, his life demonstrates that good or benevolence can and does come from suffering. His battle scars helped to make him who he was. So a much better place. Thanks to, to saints like John Paul II, she's, she's, uh, she strives to learn something from her trials and to turn obstacles into opportunities, or as I say, lemons into lemonade, gourmet lemonade, how that that. So when she looks back in retrospect at her painful experience of losing her job and when she 
reflects upon all the struggles that her husband and, and she and her husband endured, she realized that without these difficulties or challenges, she would never be where she is. They would never be where they are right now, which is in a much better place in our relationship with one another and with their faith. We're, we all feel alone sometimes as we struggle to follow our paths, you know, our spirituality, our higher powers. Mine is God. These, these are paraphrasing her words. But the reality is that we have untold numbers of spiritual supporters who are always ready to help us and cheer us on. They're the men and women, the church, the saints, people in passing, relatives, members of our circle, and far from being distant, holy card figures, they're people we can get to know. Okay? So let's try one more. Want to know in, dot info. Okay? Want to know dot info. This is, again, titled Blessing in Disguise. Can past sexual abuse be seen as a blessing in disguise? Hmm. Actually, I would like to share with you another Blessings in Disguise by Anonymous. Uh, legend has it that a notorious outlaw once roamed the northern plains of Tibet, whose crimes included robbery, rape, and murder. His reputation spread far and wide, instilling fear in all who crossed the Tibetan plateau. This fierce and fearless bandit thought nothing of assailing groups of travelers and taking and raping whatever and whomever he liked. Then one day, he came upon a caravan that included a beautiful spiritual woman who was the consort of a revered, pardon me, pardon me, of a revered guru. This particular guru was known for his ability to manifest to those he met in a form that would most benefit them according to their personal needs. Very clever. Apparently, the woman also had this unusual yet powerful gift. Seeing her beauty, the bandit kidnapped and raped this devoted woman several times. This is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely um, repugnant, ladies and gentlemen. Yet shortly afterward, the bandit renounced his life of violence and took up the path of a wandering monk. Over the years, he became a great healer and some say even a saint. He lived in service to all he met. When the man was old and on his deathbed, someone asked him what had changed him all those years ago. He grew quiet for a moment and thought back to the rape, remembering how the woman had looked up at him with such tenderness and understanding. He leaned back on his bed, closed his eyes for the last time, and answered, It was her absolute compassion that changed me. When I first heard of this legend many years ago, its message spoke directly to my soul. And this is the author speaking. As a, war, as a war child who carried a legacy of tremendous abuse and violence, I knew the story had something to teach me about the, the curative power of passion. The daughter of a U.S. soldier who took a Vietnamese woman as his wife, I am one of 25,000 Amerasian children born as a direct result of this country's involvement in the Vietnam War. So my, my mother and I immigrated to this country, the U.S., when I was eight months old. So she notes that the year was 1974, the, the war was a, in, had an encroaching end, and her father dropped us. They dropped us off in Long Beach, California. Then he left to fulfill his tour of duty. Her mother had no money. There were imp 
impoverished, no family, no way of going home, and a new babe in her arms. With little more than a third grade education, she worked seven nights a week to support them. She'll never forget the excitement she felt years later when Mother announced she had hired a woman named Gloria to take care of her. As a child, so often left alone to fend for myself, these are her words, a babysitter sounded like a guardian angel in the flesh, a gift, pure and simple. Nothing could have prepared me for what would actually come my way. So she notes that her world suddenly turned dirty and terrifying for the next three years at the hands of her caretaker, Gloria, she became the victim of daily sexual perversion and brutality. She, had, she was powerless over her own body, felt no feelings, um, save anger, and endured a near-fatal wounding of her soul. Her pain and ignorance made self-destruction and abuse seem normal, even intriguing at times. So Gloria made it so easy. She was the center of her universe, or universe, and in truth, she was the center of mine. And this is her speaking. I wanted love, even if I had to pay the devil in secrets. My head swirled with contradictory feelings as love became entwined with feeling bad, dirty, and shameful. I learned to leave my body during those twisted nights. It was the only way to survive. So by the time I entered puberty, rape, violence, and seduction were the ordinary components of intimacy. So she notes at 14, she followed the siren call of love again. She went with John, an 18-year-old crush, to his home and was violently raped. So why would she, a victim of long-term sexual abuse, enter such a dangerous situation? And she says, perhaps I was destructively repeating the pattern Gloria had started. She recalls or recounts being excited to go home with John, hoping, like any naive 14-year-old, to hold his hand or be kissed. And unbeknownst to her, that sexual terror came in the shape of men as well as women. So now that she saw good reason to be afraid of everyone, regardless of gender, instead of being afraid of no one and nothing, disassociation had helped her. That was her coping mechanism for getting through this first traumatic abuse with Gloria. And then now she, she notes that it worked again, ultimately leading her to feel nothing at all, not during the rape and, and not after, um, not for a very long time. She handled major traumas like sexual abuse being chased, chased by a gang member with a gun or watching her neighborhood go up in flames when the Rodney King verdict sparked the L.A. riots with a surprising ease. No one could hurt me, she says. I could walk away from any person or situation and feel nothing. In fact, I became the hunter. She says she was attractive and men were everywhere. If, she had a man, had, if a man had money, respect, and an impressive pedigree, all of which she lacked and believed would keep her safe, he became her prey. So talk about the victim becoming the victor in, in, in a contrary regard. Please, as an aside, I, I am not a proponent of rape. I'm not an, a proponent of such violence. So I just wanted to get this in edgewise. Back to, her, back to, to the author. A few times she felt something that she deemed to be love, but only, only, only temporarily. Sex, money, alcohol, and lies always tied her up into a suicidal knot of loneliness and despair, no matter who or how much she received. She was never satisfied. Her, her, she was never quenched. At 18, 19, she met a wise and gentle woman 
She said they talked for hours about life and, and her suffering. And she told me of a, of a Tibetan prophecy that predicted a dark age of chaos, suffering, and ignorance. The prophecy stated that out of this darkness, an equal amount of light would come into the world in the form of healers. Such a healer is a bodhisattva, she said, one who lives for the benefit of all other beings. Her words were like a lightning struck to, struck to my soul, she said. Could this painful journey of mine have been a part of my spiritual path all along? Could my suffering be somehow linked with the spiritual development of all sentient beings? Did my sufferings some way to the evolution of the planet? She couldn't decide what to believe, but healing came full circle when she realized the essential truth. Suffering does not belong to her alone, and any healing forged her, forged in her is a healing for the whole. Mindfulness and practice became a source of her great healing. Needless to say, she made it full circle. So I hope that you've extracted the greater good, the lessons, the pulse from this episode. And I hope that you, you apply it and internalize it always. I'd also like to applaud my behind-the-scenes team, Bradley, for all of your unwavering support amid the years, coupled with all of you magnifying listeners spanning and speckling the globe so faithfully. This, this radio episode platform and movement does rest upon your very shoulders, as always. So I implore your continued listenership. Until the next episode, this is Normia Vasquez-Scales, signing off. Thank you.